Well, we've been talking about how we get here. How do we get here? I had kind of a different message, if you will, and um, we always leave every year, um, the guys, uh, my sons, my father-in-law, I think, how many was there, um, 18 of us or something, 16 of us, something like that, when everybody shows up, 14, 15, we go hit the deer woods, we leave after Thursday, and we come back Saturday uh, afternoon, so I try to do a lot of my study and stuff before that time, because it's, you know, we have no service out there, and so anyway, I took a few books with me and things like that. Anyway, had everything prepared, got home Saturday, started looking at it, and the Lord's like, nope, not yet. Oh, come on, God. Are you kidding me? So he changed a few things, and, and I believe it's uh, the right thing to do. We've been talking about uh, giants. We talked about uh, the Nephilim. Uh, we've been in Genesis, and we started there in the Genesis 6 account, and it said that uh, so shall it be in the end days, it's the days of Noah. And so we asked the question, shouldn't we be looking at what was going on in Noah's day if the end's going to look like Noah's day, right? And it was talking about giants being in the land, these Nephilim. These Nephilim were the offspring of the fallen angels who had intercourse with human women, and they produced a giant called a Nephilim, okay? And these Nephilim um, were uh, a mixed DNA, if you will, and they were irredeemable, uh, so they were to be destroyed, which that's why if we look, that's why, I'm, remember I told you, <laughs> this is not church as usual, okay? This is not kumbaya, all right? This is uh, not sweet baby Jesus in the manger. This is not, this is Bible though, okay? This is in your Bibles. And so when you look at this, and this helps us explain some things, especially even about the flood, we hear people say, well, how could your loving God just destroy a bunch of innocent people? Well, number one, they weren't. <laughs> number two, they were, the Bible tells us everything was corrupt, including the animals. Does that tell you anything about these people at that day? They were practicing bestiality. What was it all about? Was it just about this? No, it was about a seed war. They were trying to corrupt the perfect seed of God. Remember, how was Jesus going to get here? He was going to get here through the womb. Isn't it interesting? That Jesus, in his foreknowledge of all things, decided to put himself in the most vulnerable place you could be in America. Inside a woman's womb. And he said, I'll do it. We go through Christmas time and we talk about Mary. Don't get me wrong. We honor her in the sense that God picked her. She was a great lady, right? But we don't pray to her. She can't help us. <laughs> hey, thank God that God picked Joseph. Great guy. He had some options. And we learned through the marriage covenant that he could have had her stoned. He tried to put her away privately. He could have, and he just took on Jesus as his own, right? But see, Jesus couldn't do that because he was the perfect seed. So what did he have to do? He had to do the fourth option that was available to the man at that time, and that was he could give his life for hers. If she was not pure, the penalty for that was to be stoned to death. He could actually take her penalty, which is what our Jesus did. He went to a cross. He took our penalty because we were not pure, and he became our purity, if you will. Thank God. 
So we learn that. So we're in Genesis and we're seeing all this stuff going on. And so you say, well, what is all this about? So we were going to get into some more of this kind of stuff. And God said, back up a step. I need you to explain some things so they can see where you're coming from. You've kind of got the, the cart in front of the horse. Yes, sir. So I want to take you to, to help you ex- explain a little bit more about this. Like, what is this about? What's this seed war about? This seed war, if you remember, started in the garden. Okay? The enemy comes and he deceives Eve in the garden. Had they have had children in the garden, there would have been offspring that would have known all the goodness of God. So the enemy knew, I got to do something quick. He doesn't go to the man, he goes to the woman. Because she's the one who the seed's going to come through. The man produces a seed, amen? We all understand how that works, right? There's some confusion I know out there these days. But the seed's coming through this woman. Jesus even said this, and I believe it's in John 10. He said, this gives you a great understanding of what's happening. He said that the shepherd comes through the gate. The thief comes over the wall. When we start talking about, and we, we talked a little bit about this, we live in the third dimension, right? First, second, third dimension. Uh, length, height, width. That's where we live at. Scientists have said, and and let me just say this, sometimes when I say scientist, good science, because if you don't know now that there's bad science, I can't help you. (laughs) There is never, will there ever be, probably get us kicked off YouTube, more than two genders. Science will tell you that. They can go to a cemetery right now. Dig up somebody who's a hundred years been dead, and they can take samples out of their bones and they can tell you whether that person was an X or a Y chromosome. Sometimes they don't even have to do that, they can just look at the bones, and the bones will tell you. I'm not mad at you because you say, Well, I think there's, you can think however you want. I'm just telling you, the scripture doesn't support it, neither does good science. So when I say science, let me tell you why we have science to prove the Bible. I read somewhere, and I can't remember, it's been a while back. Close to a thousand scientists have been saved by trying to disprove the Bible. Because the bigger our telescopes get and the, the bigger our microscopes get, we go, oh, we got a problem here. We got a problem. Just don't explain things. Do you know that there was a guy? Let me just tell you this. How many probably didn't know this? Charles Darwin was actually studying to be a pastor. And he had this theory. Got a little sidetracked. But some other people actually grabbed this theory and took it to greater heights. And said, well, it's Charles Darwin. Well, wait a minute. Darwin said a couple things and said, if this is ever proven, this will disprove my theory. And that's been proven several times over. It's funny that science says, you gotta, you got to look at the science. Okay, let's look at it. Does anything come from nothing? No. But you got to look at the science because that's how the universe was formed. Wait a minute. So when we talk about science... 
I'm talking about good science. And what I mean by that is, I, I don't try to be, if you're a scientist in here, Dr. Witzke, we love you. She's a redeemed scientist. She said, yes. <laughs> it doesn't take a doctor. I was watching a deal the other day. And this gentleman who thought he was a girl was telling another man, if you're a man, you can't have an opinion on what a woman is. <clears throat> I thought, hmm, it's a little weird. So he asked her, him, do you know what a cat is? That's actually a good point. I got to go. <laughs> you're not a veterinarian. You're not an animal biologist, but you know what a cat is. All of this is about deception. All of this is about smearing the lines of absolutes. It started kind of in the 60s. It actually started at the beginning of time. Okay, But we saw it come more and more on the scene in the 60s when we saw all of this free love. And in the 70s and the 80s. And it's just been growing, growing, growing. And if you can say anything... That is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, right, maybe? Is that the enemy is patient. Most of us know that if the enemy showed up and said, Ah, here I am. I've got two horns, a pitchfork tail. Like, you are the devil and the devil is bad. Well, well, well. some of y'all know that song. But he doesn't. It says that he masquerades as an angel of light. That's why we have people standing in pulpits today saying that certain things are okay. God's cool with it. No, God's not cool with it. Nor will he ever be cool with it. You have forgotten he is called the king of kings for a reason. There is no one above him. He gets to set the rules. He gets to set the law. He doesn't need a house or a congress. Yes, it's a good thing. And we should be excited that he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden because he's a God of his word. When he says he'll do it, it's going to happen. He's not like us. Wishy-washy. Letting every slight breeze blow us into a different idea. Well, but see, my, my brother, my cousin, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, my friend, my co-worker. Jesus addressed that. He says, lest you love less, the word there is hate. It's not the same. Understand, in the, in the Hebrew and even in the Greek... You can have a word that with a Western understanding, it doesn't sound right. But that word hate there means to love less. If you don't love less your mother, father, brother, sister, what's he saying? You can't take up for them when they cross a line on the scripture. You can still love them. We're supposed to love them. But you don't just go, you know what? It's okay. No, 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 no. It's not okay. Not if you profess Jesus is Lord. Now I tell you, 
I get tickled sometimes because I see people going, I can't believe they're acting like this. Are they Christians? No. Well, then why are you shocked? I can't believe a horse would gallop. They're a horse. Unless you change them. What did all this have to do? This deception. Remember, we're in a seed war. Okay? You've got two seeds. You've got the seed of God and you've got the seed of Satan. And Satan was about convoluting, corrupting God's seed so that Jesus could not come. Because Jesus had to come through a pure line. So he saves Noah and his family to keep this line pure going through there. Let me take you to Daniel's book, Daniel chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 43. This mixture of iron and clay, so Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He calls all of his soothsayers, if you will, together. And let me just say this while we're on this. Soothsayers, fortune tellers, all this kind of stuff. Yes, there are some things that you can do to... Uh, force people's minds to go a certain way, which is what we would call a quote-unquote trick, okay? A magician's trick, if you will. But there are some that are real, and what I mean by that is they are actually um, divining, if you will, using their craft, if you ever understood that, to do things, but they're plugged into the wrong source. They're plugged into the wrong seed, if you will, Okay? So he brings all of his diviners together, and they go, we don't know, enters um, Daniel, and he says, I've got the dream interpretation for you. And he starts telling him about this giant idol and all of these mixtures of metal, okay? So here we go in verse 43. This mixture of iron and clay, which is the feet, also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. That's the New Living Translation. Now, hang on just a minute. This is why we need to read several translations, okay? Why we need to understand and study the Bible to show ourselves approved. Watch this, New King James. As you saw, iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the... Seed of men. But they will not adhere to one another just as iron is not mixed with clay. Amplified. And as you saw the iron mixed with common clay, so they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not merge. For such diverse things or ideologies cannot unite, even as iron does not mix with clay. What are they saying? These fallen angels, these Nephilim, are wanting to corrupt this seed of God so Jesus can't come. And he's saying, Daniel's showing them, this is what's going to try to happen. But just like iron and clay won't mix, these two seeds are not going to mix. That's why we have scripture that says, we thought it meant don't hang out with sinners. But it says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? None. Are men dark? No, not in and of themselves, in a sense. They're redeemable, right? Can they do dark things? Yes. I propose to you, some of you ask about some of the men in the Bible, and we're talking about some of them. When I say we're talking, 
Um, there's a few other people that I discussed some of these things with that are on kind of the same page. Several um, um, pastors that I listen to and different things like that. <coughs> I believe, <coughs> my opinion, not Bible, my opinion, based on what I can read in the Bible, <coughs> we know that Nimrod was an Ephilim. But the Bible tells us that he became or started to become one of the mighty men. Monty's opinion is, <coughs> excuse me, much like the flood, men began to make covenants with these Nephilim. Don't hurt me. I'll show you favor. I'll serve you. You help me. And that caused them to get into a place where it was not good. I believe this is what the scripture talks about, that there comes a certain point that God hands you over to a reprobate mind. I would point you to Pharaoh. God gives Pharaoh these 10 chances to change his mind. Every time he says no and rejects God, his heart gets a little bit more hard. It wasn't God that was hardening, it was God's actions. So his heart gets a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little bit harder to the point that he's of no return. He's made his choice. So we see this going on. And then in Matthew 24, 24, Jesus gives us this. He says this. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders. So as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. What's this all about? It's about deception. It's about changing your DNA. Your DNA has God's signature all over it. We are God's creation. If you pick up, you know, here's the thing. We, the whole world knows about marketing. Getting your name out there. Do you think Walmart or McDonald's needs to advertise? What is it about every little kid that goes, oh, golden arches? But why do they do it? Marketing, keeping their name out there. The enemy does the same thing. God's doing the same thing. That's why he's called us and given us the opportunity to be called sons and daughters. Look at my people. I'm going to skip to the very end of this thing, and let me tell you what this is all about. It is deception. But here's the kicker. The fallen angels did not get a chance at redemption, but we have been given that chance. That's why they have opened up all of hell against us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Why? Because he's mad. He's mad. He knew God. There again, I can't prove this through the scriptures. I believe it's a right idea. It's my opinion. I told you that if I can't tell you in scripture, I'll tell you it's my opinion. You can... Put it in the wastebasket if you want. I don't care. It's my opinion. But that they knew God. They were in heaven. They were created by Him. They knew Him. They knew Elohim. They knew Jehovah. They knew Yahweh. They knew His ways, all that. And they rebelled against that. And God said, you're done. Done. And then man shows up. And he messes up. And God says, I'm going to give you a chance at redemption. Now, I'm trying to be 
sassy, but they said, what the hell? Because all the hell was mad. Are you kidding me? You're going to give them a chance? And you didn't... Break it out, boys. Let's just, let's just unleash hell on them. <coughs> That's what it's about. And then God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not only going to redeem them, but I'm going to let them have authority over you. And they're going to crush your head. And you go, well, I feel like it's my head that's been crushed. Well, get up, shake yourself off, and get, put you some steel-toed boots on. <laughs> Prepare your feet. Shod your feet. Put on the whole armor of God. Get up. Go to fight. There's a unique scene in, <coughs> I believe it was Saving Private Ryan, beach scene. Guys on the beach, bombs are going off, bullets are flying, the guy's frozen. And one of the old grungy sergeants comes up there and tells this kid, you better get to moving because there's only going to be two kinds of men left on this beach. One of them's dead. Right? You, you got them, I know, but you got to go. You, you got to keep moving. And that's what we have to do. We allow the enemy to come in and strike fear into us. And we go, a giant. We need to have the heart of David. <laughs> a giant. That's a big old target. <laughs> Aim small, miss small. He said, you come to me, you uncircumcised Philistine. You don't have a covenant with the God of Israel. I've got a covenant with the God of Israel. You come to me with a spear and a sword, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And we sing songs like that and we go, oh, it's so cute, cute, cute. And we don't understand the power behind those words. You want to come after me? You fallen one? You one that has no possibility of redemption and you think you're going to defeat me? What could you possibly do to me? Kill me? Send me to heaven? Are you kidding me? I think not. Some of you are looking at me like, what in the world? The seed was almost corrupted twice. Let's go to Egypt, which is a type and shadow of Satan's kingdom. Most believe that, if not all, a lot of the Pharaohs were Nephilim bloodline. Do you remember the story in Genesis when Abraham and Sarah are crossing through and he looks at his half-sister and says, you're really pretty and we get over here, they're going to kill me to get to you, so... Please tell them you're my sister. Half truth. And she goes, okay. Now let me just say this. Sarah understood what Abraham was asking her to do. They may take you, my wife, and ravage you, okay? But will you protect my neck? And she says, yeah, I'll do that. Don't get me wrong. Probably most of us don't know what we would do in that situation. But Abraham was not thinking right. So we see the story. They tell this lie. She goes to Pharaoh and says, well, bring her to my house. 
because she got it pretty. So we go to Genesis chapter 12. Um, did I give you that one? I did. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praise to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, ooh, this chick, she fine. Her drip is on fire. I think, did I say that right? No, I didn't say it right. What is it? No cap. The fit is on fire, whatever, okay? Come up here and tell, no, I'm just kidding. That's why we've got to understand idioms, all right? Because we get it all wrong. But they said, she's good looking. Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male, female, donkeys, male, female, servants, blah, 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 blah. He's giving her all kinds. Woo, we're going to buy this woman. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Thank God he knows what he's doing. Amen. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Even this guy's understanding what's going on. Your God's coming out here and fixing to kick my tail because you lied to me and I brought her in my house. But what was this all about? God's intervening again. Noah, he intervened in Noah's life. He's intervening in Sarah's life right now to keep this seed pure so it's not corrupted. And so he finally lets her go. And with all of Abraham's stuff, this happens twice. It's a seed war. The enemy lost out right here again to corrupt that seed. He sends these plagues and he goes, oh no. Again, we're talking about these giants. This is just the beginning. What is this all about? Well, let me, let me do this. Um, do you have that second video? I think it's the shorter, the one about Geneva. Do you have that one? Did we load that one up? Do you know? Not so? Okay. We'll hold, hold up for that for a minute. I will show you a video maybe next Sunday. <clears throat> but it talks about in Revelations where it says that we know where the seat of the devil is, his, his power. It's Geneva, Switzerland. Where the... Um, Saint Antipas was martyred. And it goes on to say, this guy's talking about what's there in Geneva. CERN, WHO, World Economic Forum. There's like 33 other World Trade Organization. And he says, if I was the devil and was going to take control of the world, I would summon everyone to me. And don't get me wrong, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that Geneva, the people of Geneva are bad, okay? Because there can be just like um, in other towns that are bad, there's good people there, okay? But that place has become home to a lot of demonic activity. Part of what we were talking about was how are we supposed to feel about aliens, UFOs, CERN, AI, all these things that's going on. Remember, it's a seed war. And it's not only physical, but it's mental, okay? Because the Bible tells us that we need to renew our minds, in order for us to be transformed. Well, if that's true, then what's the opposite of that? I can renew my mind to be deceived. I am going to show you this one little quick video about aliens, and we're going to talk about kind of how does all this 
fit in. And I know some of you are looking at me like I got six fingers and six toes. How in the world? Listen, it's, this is not church. This is not Sunday morning church, folks. This is Bible. I'm preparing you for what is to come. So when your friends are going, did you see? And you go, yeah, the Bible says. You mean you, th- yeah, right here, it says it right here. Do we have that one, Jesse, Jesse Waters? Everybody knows Jesse Waters, right? Well, we heard from an expert. Now let's talk to a witness. Christopher Bledsoe says he's not only seen UFOs, but he can summon them on command. It started when Bledsoe went on a fishing trip in 2007. He says he saw an orb that followed him home. And he still sees the orbs above his house to this day. He's become something of a psychological phenomenon. His experience is so compelling that both NASA and the CIA have studied his brain. Even the History Channel's documenting it. They filmed him IDing an orb live. Watch. He's pointing now. So maybe he's focusing on one. That would make sense. He has one. He's got one in the tree line. When we started seeing that intense effort, he spotted an orb in the tree line. Let's turn it over to Christopher Bledsoe, who personally witnessed UFOs. So, Chris, the CIA studying you, NASA studying you, the History Channel studying you. Tell Jesse Waters Primetime the truth. You can summon alien orbs. Well, um, it's, it's, it's been happening for the last 15 years. And, uh, I, you know, I ask them to come and they come. And that's, I don't know why, but they do. And we've, we've I've taken 2,000 500 videos in the last 24 months, like you're seeing there. How do you ask them? I just simply say a prayer. That's all I do. And, uh, and they come. And do you think... Crazy as it that's how it happens. Do you think there might be something wrong with you? No, I don't think so. I think the government's trying to figure out why this, this is happening. They have been for quite some time. How did it start? Well, it started in 2007. I had, um, I was down on my luck. I'd lost basically everything. After the World Trade Center disaster, I had 100 houses, 130 houses a year I was building. I had 70 under construction. And Fort Bragg is where I live in that area. And they stopped buying houses. And uh, with... uh, Interest rates at eight and nine percent on construction money. Then it was flying out the window so fast. I just watched it uh, in a slow motion train wreck, and it mm. got so that I couldn't even buy my children lunch at school after being successful for twenty years. So you were down more. on your luck. Yep. And um, so I was on the Cape Fear River with three other guys and my son, and they were fishing. I just took them there. I was contemplating um, everything. I was just, you know, I was thinking the worst thoughts, and I was crying out to to the heavens, whoever's up there, I need help. And that's when I walked around the corner and up to the top of the hill, and these three big balls of fire was sitting about 300 yards away. And the next thing I know, I walked back to the fire, and it was close to four hours later. And there had been a manhunt for me, and I had no clue that any more than 20 minutes had passed. Unbelievable. All right. Well, listen, I hope 
these things are peaceful because you were summoning them all over the place. And uh, (laughs) they look like they're lighting up the sky. God bless you. And just tell them um, I come in peace. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you, Jess. All right. Hey, Sean Hannity here. I just pray and they show up. I just summons the heaven. Whoever's out there, you don't think the enemy's going to show up? You don't even know what you're calling on? You go, I don't know if I, I you know, some of this stuff is, it seems really kind of, okay. It'll get worse. I don't know. I did, I did see this, though, when he was talking. I was down on my luck, man. I was really in a bad place. And he basically said, I was thinking about suicide. And these things showed up. See, when the Nephilim showed up, when these spirits show up, they always promise you some kind of power, some kind of uh, supernatural help. This DNA mixing, we call it marvel. Because people marvel at it, that you could get bit by a spider and somehow that spider's DNA got in you. Gene manipulation. I said a word that shut us all down on the internet. It's about deception. It's about deception. There's always a promise of, hey, this gene, we have, do y'all know we have frankenfish? We're studying. They've got this, I believe it's a salmon. It's about yay big, and it's normal. And then they've got a picture of this Franken salmon. It's huge. Do you know they're talking about um, in gene manipulation? If they can't get you to take it one way, they can't say certain things. <laughs> then they will put it in your food. You'll eat it. Go pick up a can of anything that you buy on the shelf and flip it over and see the words bioengineered on it. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means it ain't natural. It was grown in a factory. They're growing chickens in a lab. But the problem is they ain't chickens. Why? Seed war. To corrupt you. I was listening to one gentleman. He said that his belief is, is that what happens is when you receive this. Now listen. I told you last week about they put DNA, human DNA into a pig to create vessels so they can take out of the pig's heart and put it in men. And if you receive one of them pig's valves or whatever, that doesn't mean you're Nephilim. Okay? All of this stuff is ramping up to this. Okay? All this gene manipulation... I was reading an article that said 1% to 3% of the population has reported uh, seeing uh, a UFO. And then there were, I can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of people that have reported being abducted by aliens. All of them report that there was a sexual nature to the alien's abduction. One gentleman, there was three of them that were taken up. They were doing something. He was abducted. You're, uh, now you really are looking at me like I got six fingers and six toes. He said he had had a vasectomy. 
And when they found this out, they sent him back. What's interesting is the guy that was writing this article was a Christian man. And he said, what's interesting is no one that has ever been abducted has ever said, I cried out in the name of Jesus. You let No one said that. It was always people that were either oblivious. I'm telling you this. You see something like that? You just say in the name of Jesus. You say, well, what does this have to do? What is it? It has everything. Deception, people. The enemy wants to deceive you into getting your eyes off of God. He'll use AI. There was this thing that we read about in the Bible called the Tower of Babel. Nimrod. He was going to make this ziggurat and extend it into the heavens. And he would sit at the top of this thing and people would worship him. We don't understand the meaning of the scripture, but if you start to study it out, he was saying this, I'm going to make a portal so that I can go in and out of the heavenlies. I can go into the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. Now, he didn't understand that at that time, I I think. When these extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them, come, Decepticons, when they come, they always bring knowledge. If you read the book of Enoch, which I told you, even though it's not a canonized scripture, there's some great knowledge there. Josephus even writes about these gigantes. It talks about they taught men how to do certain things. How do we get the knowledge how to get iron out of the ground and make weapons, make farming implements? Say, well, what about this? We've got this technology stuff, man. Yeah, where did it come from? Stealth bombers and all this stuff. It always comes with a catch. I'm going to let you go. These things are too bizarre to accept. They're too out there. That's why no pastor wants to stand in the pulpit and say, you better get ready. Church, y'all better get ready. Twelve people are coming back next week. (laughs) They're too frequent and consistent to ignore. What does this have to do with us? Here's the kicker. Luke 21, verse 25. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars in times. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, Hmm. (laughs) perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's this all about? It's deception. Remember, the enemy cannot create anything. He can only take things that were created and um, manipulate them, corrupt them, make them into something that they're not. Remember, Jesus said in the last days, the, the, the Pharisees said, we want a sign from you. And he says, only a perverse and wicked generation looks for a sign. What was he saying? Just trust me. Why do I got to give you a sign? He was doing signs and wonders all over the place. He said, but this one sign I will give you, the sign of Jonah. 
And you heard me say this. We now know, according to the Hebrew calendar, that when in Jonah's day, when he was spit out of the belly of the fish and landed and began to preach, there was a total solar eclipse that happened right then. Guess what we're fixing to have happen in April? Watch the signs. God's showing you. It's all right here. You just maybe have to... (laughs) Instead of constant negative news, all the three-letter alphabets, you might have to turn it off and sit down and actually read, Holy Spirit, show me. I don't want to be deceived in these last days. We talked about angels appearing as men. Most of the time in the scripture, they're actually called men. Why? Because they look like men. Guess what? In these last days, who's going to appear to us? Men. I believe that there are demonic angels. That's an oxymoron. Demonic fallen angels that are standing behind pulpits today. And people are listening to them because it sounds good. Some of y'all get that. It's deception. Come on, Alex. God doesn't want us to be deceived in these last days. That's why he wrote this stuff in here. That's why he had these men write this stuff down. See, we've been telling people, listen, you need to get saved. You need to get some fire insurance so you can go to heaven. And they go, what? Let me tell you something. There is a king who is coming back one day. And he's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. And he's going to be sitting on a horse. And he's going to draw a sword out. And there are going to be flames that shoot out of his mouth. And the destruction is going to be so terrible, the Bible records, that the blood is going to run as high as the horse's bridles. It's called a great and terrible day. (coughs) If you're for him, it's a great day. If you have rejected him, it's going to be a terrible day. But because of his great love for us, he said, before I do this, I will give you a chance to redeem yourself, to look to me to be your Savior and your Lord. Most of us in this place have said yes to the saving power of Jesus. But let me ask this. How many of us have said yes to the Lordship? Completely different. Lord, you told me to do this, I will do it. You told me to abstain from this, I will abstain from it. Lord, you told me how to do it, I'm going to do it because you're Lord. You're my boss. You're my jefe. It's easy to accept him as Savior. Not always so much as Lord. But he is called the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Stand with me.